Welcome to FNI Performance Podcast, powered by SimTech Dealer Services, your source for everything FNI. Real talk, real experts, real results. Here's your host, Jason Harris. Hey, what's going on, FNI Nation? It is Jason Harris here, and thank you for joining me on another episode of FNI Performance Podcast, sponsored by SimTech Dealer Services. That's my best radio announcer voice, guys, by the way. So it doesn't get much better than that. After this, it pretty much goes downhill. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) Hey, for everybody out there watching and listening, thank you for joining us today. I have two amazing guests. I have Mr. David Mildenberger and the Drew Ferguson. I'm just going to call you the Drew now. Like I I just decided that's that's what I'm going to call you. (laughs) Hey, guys, thank you so much for taking the time to jam with me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having us. Hey, guys, yeah. uh, to kick it off today, what I think would be kind of cool is to start off with a couple origin stories. Um, and David, I'll kind of start with you. How did you get started in this crazy little world we call the automotive industry? Well, my father was the uh, auto dealer in uh, northern Ontario. Uh, so I've been in the industry a very, very long time. Uh, I st- started in August 1987, sold my first car. Uh, if you want to know how far uh, long ago that was, it was actually a passenger side mirror was optional on the car at that time, and a rear view mirror was optional. So yeah, that was it was quite a long time ago. Um, so as my kids always say, I didn't really have a choice going into the business because my dad kind of uh, persuaded me to get into it. Uh, I've actually held uh, pretty much every position in the variable operations side of a dealership, uh, sales, F and I, new car manager, used car manager. Uh, then I was uh, in the uh, fixed off side uh, with uh, parts manager and service manager. And in that time as well, I uh, owned my own dealership for almost uh, 10 years. Uh, I've been with uh, SimTech for over eight years now, or almost eight years now, and um, the vice president of sales for uh, Eastern Ontario, Northern Ontario, and Eastern Canada. And you wear one of the coolest bow ties I've ever seen, which is our love for orange is huge. <laughs> hey, Drew, hey, for yourself, how did you get started in our industry? Well, you know what, Jason, 25 years ago, um, I went on a whitewater rafting trip uh, with my buddy Brad Shirk and a bunch of us. And uh, he was telling me when we were down there that he was doing a co-op uh, through school um, at an auction, at a car auction. And I thought, wow, that would be a cool, uh, cool co-op opportunity. So I started off in the auction business and, uh, and then from there went to, to the dealer side. I've held um, basically every position uh, in the dealer sales, all the management positions. And, uh, and then, you know, I looked at it as with SimTech. I've been with SimTech for six years. I am a, a regional manager with SimTech and, and the future is definitely F&I. The, um, you know, the margins are becoming smaller and smaller in the sales because of the internet and people's access to costs and pricing, and it's very important to protect these, uh, protect the people out there. And F and I is a great opportunity uh, for profit for the dealership. Oh, I'm completely with you on that, Drew. In fact, that's actually a perfect segue kind of into what the girth of our conversation is going to be about. I mean, look, for the last five years, we've been running double-digit gains quarter after quarter after quarter after quarter. It's only been in this last year that we, we've been flat or a little down as an industry. And uh, now 
of course, with everything that's happened with the pandemic, we're, that's going to change again our entire industry. But I'm gonna, I, I'm going to say that moving forward, the people that are going to be profitable, they're going to have to process their way to profitability. And the service department is really kind of at the core of that. I mean, I mean, we're all we're all dealers here. I mean, you know, for the department that produces over 50% of the net profit, yet gets less than 5% of the marketing budget or pretty much any type of strategy time <laughs> into it. You know, it's like we need to show a little love to the back end of the dealership. And, you know, I think the marriage of the service department and F&I products is, is going to be a huge process that dealerships are going to have to create moving into it. So, I mean, Drew, that's going to be kind of my first question to you is, you know, how can dealers use the service department as an opportunity, you know, to sell F&I products? Drew, I'll start with you. And then David, I'll ask you the same question. All right. Yeah, no, it starts with educating the service advisors on the different protections and extended warranties that are available. Because let's face it, you know, the customer comes into the, into the sales floor, they purchase the car, they meet the business manager, the business manager educates them at that time. And they don't necessarily pick up on, on all the opportunities because they're so excited that they just bought this new car, right? So they're picking up a few different products that may catch interest, uh, but then it's gone. So then they come into the service department for the regular service, and that's when we can continue that education on, on what is available. For example, we, we as a service advisor, they get to see how many kilometers that customer's driven. They know what the factory warranty is on that car. The customer may not. It probably was reviewed at the time of the sale, but let's remind that customer if they come in and they have 50,000 kilometers on their car and their comprehensive warranty is three years 60, we want, it's our job to remind that customer that they have 10,000 kilometers left on their comprehensive warranty. So what a better time to let them know of, of these extended warranties that are available. And, and there's custom warranties available that we can customize to their driving habits. There is an iSelect Plus, we call it. And, it, and basically, if we see that they drive 15,000 kilometers a year and they're going to keep that car for another three years, you know, we can do a three times 15,000 a year and, and match it right up to them. So it is so important to keep the advisors educated on what's available uh, to, to the customers. Absolutely. Oh, Drew, I'm totally with you. You know, it, it all comes down to training and coaching, but it's also a bit of a mind shift. What did you say? I mean, we right now our industry looks at you know F and I as you know being you know that uh, that that secondary the secondary sell. You know, it's like let's just reserve the, all the F and I efforts for you know the secondary purchase, and we'll keep it in this singular department. I mean, hell, we call it a box for crying out loud. <laughs> you know, so let's <laughs> let's just keep it in the box. But you know, F and I is not something that should exist in just a box or a specific office. You know, it needs to be out in the open throughout the showroom. I mean, the best dealerships that I see that are executing, you know, F&I sales really well is that it's not just a sales thing and it's it, it's in a service thing and it's kind of communicated throughout the entire showroom. But I think what at the core of it though, we have to have that goal. Like we have to change our mind. Like, you know, don't you think that dealerships, I mean, require some goal development before they can have conversations like this? What do you think, Drew? Mm -hmm. No, they, they definitely do. And, and Jason, I just, I, before I forget, I wanted to mention as well, 
we're we also as in, in the service department we can see the bills that that the customers are paying we can see those extra costs and it's our job to make sure we remind them of you know what you're the area where you live in mr customer um you know you must be in a high construction area because you've been in for tires every other month you're having tires have you ever thought about that tire and rim protection you know it, it, this way mr customer you have five thousand dollars in tire and rim protection and it, you know it, it's our job to look after you right we want to take care of you and not have if we feel so bad every time you come in you're paying 250 dollars for for a tire have you thought of that so that's that's something that's so important from a service end is to not only educate, but when when these customers are coming in and having issues, we, we need to help, like we need to help them. And, and it's important for the advisors to know what products or protections that the customers have purchased in the business office. So they're able to use it when we go around and we do our walk around and we notice that there's a cracked windshield and they've purchased appearance guard let the customer know they have a $500 credit towards their next windshield. Mr. Customer, while you're in for your 60K service, can we replace that windshield for you? Oh, I really, really like that strategy, Drew. Um, I'm just trying to think about it, you know, like where, I, I guess it would have to go into the customer notes because I'm just trying to think what a tech would kind of pull up, you know, for them to actually see that and know that, you know, this customer has, you know, tire and rim protection, um, you know, because I don't know of a DMS out there that, that has that, you know, right up front and center when I print, when I print out an RO, but I think that's a great process. And actually a relatively easy process is to, when we're inputting that customer in that it goes into that notes field. So it pulls it up at the top. That's cool. I like that. I like yeah, that a lot. That's a yeah. really and good we, strategy. We train, like we'll train them to go in and access the, uh, to see that. And we do have a program ourselves that, that show that. So they know when they, when they see the dents in the car and they know they've got protection and we'll pull those dents, they're covered under warranty. We will, you know, we'll point that out to the customer because again, they're so excited on buying the car. They don't necessarily remember all the different protections that they purchased at the time. No, that's a really good point, Drew. I mean, protection, the conversation around protection doesn't need to end with the sale of the vehicle. It needs to continue through the entire ownership of the vehicle. Um, David, kind of you're up on this one. Any, any additional thoughts, any strategies or ideas you want to throw into that? Yeah, Jason, I, I think the most important thing from a service standpoint is we have to start looking at the F&I products as customer retention products. Uh, and so we always say that, you know, the business office, uh, the F&I department is the one who sells the product, but really in the, in the service department, they're the ones who uses the product and they get the benefit of the product. Um, less than 30% of the customers return to a dealership after their warranty expires. Uh, if they have a, an extended service contract or if they had, a, like as Drew alluded to, an appearance guard that's longer than the uh, manufacturer's warranty on a vehicle, then they will be more apt to come back to the dealership. Uh, to Drew's point about education is, uh, I, I think we have to talk to our uh, service advisors and train them more on, on retention rather than productivity, efficiency. You know, we, we have all of these metrics, but when you're really telling them, you know, uh, if you help sell an extended service contract or present it to your customer, then there's in all likelihood, they're going to return to you and you're going to even grow a greater uh, 
relationship with them because in the four or five years you're with them, then you're going to get another four or five year cycle that they're going to be coming in and knowing your name and you get to know them better. So I, I think that's a shift we need in the, in the dealership uh, to, uh, you know, to get to train the service advisors more on, yeah, these, these are good products for the consumer, but as well as good products for yourself. Secondarily, uh, any of us who worked in the, uh, in, in, on the front desk in the service department, you know, the little old lady comes in and has an $1,800 bill that, you know, if she had purchased an extended service contract, uh, that it would have been covered. We we're human beings. We, we, we feel compassion for these people. I will tell you, I believe that post COVID-19 that people are going to be tighter on with money and, you know, knowing that they have these protections, it's, it's going to be all that better for them. And, and at the end of the day, you know, we, we can take, comfort in the fact that we know that you know what you're coming in you might have a hundred dollar deductible but you're not going to have an eighteen hundred dollar bill and so I, I think it's communication uh as much as training but more on what what's good for the customer is also good for the service advisor and i and i think that's the biggest uh, the, the the biggest shift we need uh in, in you alluded to it, jason that we work in silos unfortunately in a dealership and the, the the box the fni department whatever you know what the, the business manager they drive fancy demos they you know they might come in at three three o'clock to nine o'clock you're the service advisor that they're at six thirty sweeping off the cars in this you know in the service loaner cars and all it's it's just not the most pleasant job at all, all the time and and maybe sometimes the service advisors look at the the business office and they have a little bit of animosity where where they shouldn't really shouldn't because with what the FNI department sells is really makes their job a lot easier rather than having to tell them about the $1,800 bill. You're saying, you know what? Fantastic news for your covered today. It would have cost you $1,800, but it's, it's costing you zero because you have a zero deductible. So I think it's a, just the, the whole shift in, in, in the training of the advisor rather than efficiencies and productivity to, to be, to more so think about that. The, the other real thing as well is, some dealers do a really good job of getting the advisors to try to promote these products, but you know what? They don't do it on a consistent basis. So the customer comes in at 58,000 kilometers. Uh, you're an advisor. You've had a really busy day. Let's say, you know, Drew and I were talking about this. What, what is the worst day in the service department? Friday of a long weekend. Wouldn't you say, Jason, you, you've been there? Absolutely. So, absolutely. So are you going to be sitting there at three o'clock on Friday afternoon uh, telling Mr. or Mrs. Customer about an extended service contract? Or are you just going to say, I just want to get all the cars out of the shop for the long weekend, right? So we have to have a process where it's consistent, not just the, the one-offs. Oh, I noticed you're, you're running out of uh, manufacturer warranty just the one time. It, that won't be effective. No. And David, I'll just, uh, I'll tag on that. So on that note, um, with the um, picking up on a Friday night, um, you know, if we didn't get a chance to talk to the, to talk to the customer, by all means, when the customer comes into the service department, we definitely want to find out what's the best way of communicating. Do you prefer a text, Mr. Customer? Do you want us to call you? Do you prefer email? What is that? And if it's, and, and a lot of texting today, a lot of customers just prefer a quick text because it's fast and it doesn't interrupt with what they're doing. They can reply back really fast. And how important that is to send that customer a quick thank you. If you didn't get to see them in person, thanks for your business, how much we appreciate it. And by the way, I noticed your kilometers are approaching, you know, your extended warranty. And then you can set up a call, uh, set up a call from there. 
No, I, I think that's an amazing idea. <clears throat> Excuse me. But I, how many service advisors or service advisors, even service managers, have you ever seen in training when, you know, the, the F&I company or the warranty company comes by and they do their training? It's always the F&I manager, right? Like it's, it's I, one of the, okay, I'll actually give you guys a story. Um, one of the, the best service uh, managers I've ever met um, runs a small Chrysler dealership up north. And uh, guess what he was before he was a service manager? An F&I manager. He was an F&I manager. And his approach to service is I want my customers to have to spend as little as humanly possible. Ironically, because of that approach, he actually has one of the highest hours per RO um, in in his dealerships category, right? But he actually has a sign uh, out front that says how much service they've done this month where no one paid for it. I thought, man, is that not like an, a stellar idea or what? And he's got this rolling number and he puts it out there. And to your point, Drew, or maybe it was David that you said it. It's like, you know, that $1,800 bill that didn't have to get paid because it was covered. He gets to add that to his whiteboard. He marks it off and adds another 1800 bucks to it. And it's there. It's, and it's this visual thing. It's a very simple, very, very simple visual aid to let both the service advisors and the customers know that, hey, we care and there are ways to protect your investment. Um, but I think this is kind of a perfect segue kind of into my next question. And Drew, I'll start with you and then David, I'll ask you as well, is, you know, why should dealers use the service department to sell F&I products? Drew? Well, you know what? Um, at the time of purchase, you know, everyone obviously has a budget and, and they may not be in the financial, they may not be set up at that time to purchase the extra products. They could be doing a roof, they could be building a house, they could have education bills, who knows, what, whatever that is, uh, we all have our own bills. So if that's why it's important to remind them of those protections when they're in front of us for their service, because their life may have changed. They may have come across some money, they may have finished their roof, and now they want to protect themselves because they want that security of not having any surprises going forward. And that's, that's why, you know, I, I, I know I'm repeating myself, but it, it is, it is so important to, to remind them when they're in front of us uh, of what's available. And, and like, who, who wants a surprise right now? I mean, I think as, as a society, I think we've been hit with enough surprises as it is right now. I think I want to eliminate as many of those possible financial surprises as I can get, which I'm sure a lot of people have felt right now. Um, David, kind of, you know, what are your thoughts on why it's necessary Actually, I'm going to use the word necessary because I'm, I'm actually beyond the point of it being a good idea. I actually think it's necessary that the service department does sell F&I products. David, what's your thoughts? Well, I think at the time of sale, um, and Drew alluded to this, but at the time of sale, it's you, you do present the products, and but you're going against a little bit of the sales cycle because, or, or the sales process because the salesperson spends so much time the OEM spends so much money on telling you how good their product is and how long it's going to last, the durability, the you know low cost of maintenance, breakdowns, everything like that. And then you're trying to sell them a, a product three minutes later in, in the business office. And sometimes the customers don't see the, the value in it. And then 
when they come into the service. And, and I think a lot of it is relationship based. I really, I really believe that because they're coming in and they're seeing the service advisor, uh, potentially they're, they're saying now, I guess industry average is about 2.7 visits per year. Consumers are in your, your dealership for service. I, I remember the days when it was five times a year minimum. Uh, I but love those days. Yeah, so 2.7 times a year, but they're getting to know the, the service writer. Hopefully you, uh, you have a system where the same writer deals with the same customers on a consistent basis. So they have the relationship, you have the trust, but it doesn't go against the, the sales cycle of the car or the selling philosophy of the car, which is great car, dependable, never going to break down. It's, it's more, you get to know the relationship with them. You realize that the warranty or the extended service or the, sorry, their, their factory warranty might be coming to an end. You know, now more of their driving habits. Uh, and when we all, buy a new car like we we're never thinking about trading it down the road so when you're presenting an extended service contract the customers are yeah you know what uh you know what i trade my car every three years well if everybody trades their car every three years how do we get these statistics that the average car on the road is on the road 7.7 years now and it gets longer all the time while the cars are getting more dependable that's why it's on the road longer but it's also getting more expensive to own cars so people do keep them longer so it's, it's really one of those things where, yeah, it's, it's probably ideal for the customer to buy it at the time of purchase because they might be able to finance it at 0%. They can extend it over uh, the, the payment over 72 months, 84 months, uh, even up to 96 months with some OEMs and uh, bi-weekly payments. So it's, it's a minuscule payment. But really, at that time, they're not thinking about what's going to happen down the road. Is the car going to break down? Is it you know, going to have any issues? They're saying this is a brand new, dependable car. That's why I'm buying it right now. So that's where I think you have to uh, present that in the service department because it's more of timely. It's more fitting into the, you know what, they might've had some issues. That's why they're into the dealership. Uh, and so it's fitting right in with the, the whole ownership philosophy, which is different than at the time of sale. I think for that to work, you know, we have to, and David, you were mentioning earlier, is that we have to be in that mindset of retention. You know, I, I, guys, I hate to say it, but majority of the service departments that I've consulted with and work with are transaction focused only. All right. That is it. You know, get them in, get them out, get as many hours per RO as possible and let's move them on. Um, but I, I think the way the industry is changing moving forward is that, you know, customers expectations are going to increase. It's not enough. This is what it, this is where I'm going with this. It's not enough that we just meet the customer's expectations. You know, like, okay, I bring the car in, you do the oil change, and I'm on my way and out the door, right? I, the, the new customer's expectations that we actually exceed the expectation. And, and the reason for that is because every other retail experience they've had, you know, over this entire pandemic and even all leading up to it as well, I think just the pandemic's just really identified it, is this very frictionless easy, you know, very customer centric, you know, kind of process. And we just don't have that at the dealership. But, and then that's, but we have to set that up. So, so I want, I want to ask you guys uh, both this question is, you know, how does a dealership kind of change that mindset from transaction to retention? Drew, I'll start with you. And then David, I'll ask you the same question. Yeah, well, Jason, my thoughts on that would be, um, obviously, you have to have a tracking system um, for the retention. So if you're not, um, you know, being able to see, uh, to be able to keep in touch with your customers, 
um, and and know their you know know their driving habits, know how to get a hold of them. You definitely have to have a tracking system for that because there's just way too many customers in the database to possibly uh, remember. You know, and there are programs out there. Uh, you dealers that are listening, you know, you know what programs they are, and uh, and and majority of the dealers today do have those systems in place. That, that's a good point. Like we have to set up our service advisors for success. If they don't have the information, you know, to focus on retention, you know, it's it's just not a possibility uh, for them to actually try to grow out that relationship. David, your thoughts on how dealerships can kind of shift from transaction mindset to retention mindset. I think it actually starts with the hiring the right people. Uh, oftentimes the people on the service counter are former technicians. Uh, I, I think we have to start hiring people from other industries that are customer service oriented. Uh, a, a customer can tell when you truly care about them and, and their well-being. And so the retention is going to come and there's companies out there and I don't want to name them here just in case some consumers are watching this, but there's a, there's one brand uh, auto uh, in the automotive aftermarket for uh, auto repairs that every year, year over year, they are actually rated number one in the service uh, retention rate is number one for customer satisfaction. And, and so when I was a dealer, I actually knew the local uh, garage and it's a franchise, but I knew the local operator. So I went and I sat with them one day and talked to them about it. And, the number one thing that he said they do is they, when a customer comes in, they, they actually focus on what the customer's there for that day. And then they say, oh, by the way, the next time you're in, we think you need a break, break job. It's going to be $800. But they, it's the transaction is focusing on what you're here today so that you don't go home and say to your, your spouse, oh, yeah, I went to this place for maintenance. I wanted an oil change and I, I came out with $800 bill for breaks. And then you don't want to go back there. So I think the retention is actually, it's a whole process. It's not a one-time thing. Uh, it's having the philosophy of the dealership that, you know what, we're going to treat them right every time they're in. We're going to tell them, what you're here today for this. We're going to take care of this. And then here's what you need next time. Yeah, some customers might shop you. They're going to do that anyway, you, right? With how quick uh, you can be on your smartphone and that these days, if you give them $800 quote on a break job, they're going to get on the phone anyway and they'll say, give me 15 minutes and which number one, you're tying up your hoist. Secondly, they're still going to, they're still going to come back with a competitive price. So uh, I, I think that's a really huge thing is just changing the whole philosophy and it's, it's having a long-term relationship with, with that consumer. I, I love that. That's a very forward thinking, you know, type process. We're literally always thinking forward. In fact, actually, uh, I'll be honest with you, David, it actually happened to me. The dealership did a great job of this. Uh, they did exactly that. I went in for an oil change. Uh, they said, hey, Jay, next time uh, your your brakes are about here. We're going to need to either replace them or recondition them or resurface them. Um, so when it came time, I didn't even think about going to somebody else because someone had already given me the information. I also already knew the price and it was going to cost me $916 exactly with tax. And it was like, so it was like, it was just simple when I made the call, you know, plus this dealership had a great job of having notes. So when I did make the call to set up my oil change, like, well, I remember last time we said, and I'm like, yeah, I remember, I remember. Yeah. We better get that done now too as well. But it, but it is, it's always about kind of thinking forward. And I love that strategy. That's a, re that's a really good one. Um, 
I, I, training, I want to talk a little bit about training because we talked a little bit about this earlier, right? It's like, how often do I really see service advisors get trained on, on F&I products? And I kind of wanted to, before we kind of move into our next topic, I want to talk about this first because I just don't hear a lot of that going on. You know, what is, you know, for a service ad, uh, manager that's listening to this or watching this, and they go, man, that's a really good idea. I should be training my service advisors on those F&I, F&I products and solutions and regularly uh, training them. You know, how can a dealership kind of get started, you know, with training their staff on those solutions? Drew, I'll, I'll start with you. Yeah, well, um, again, this podcast is powered by SimTech. <laughs> we, uh, we do train the service advisors, <laughs> definitely. Um, and that's why we've chosen to, to talk about this today. Um, when, when our trainers are in the store, yeah, are we, we're not only training the business managers, we are going to the sales managers as well. We're also going to the service advisors and service management team and to keep the full circle. Because as a dealership with the experience that we have, um, you need all departments to be part of it. And that's why it's so important for the training um, to, to keep that circle to the point where we will, we will hold meetings, uh, with the business managers and service advisors, um, in, in the same room together, because we, what a great way to, to share strategy and, and educate because the, the service advisors are on the front line. They're seeing the customers that are coming in with, with, with concerns and how can we get that message back to the business managers to protect the customers previous to those having those concerns? So it, it is, Jason, it is, yeah, it's imperative. Uh, there's a lot of training companies out there, but it's definitely imperative to include those service advisors in that training when they are in uh, training their business managers. Well, I, I think it, I love the fact you use the word imperative because I don't think it's even a best practice or a good idea. I think it's a necessity. Like it is, it should be a just a bloody requirement that as a service advisor you go through this training program. I mean, but that, but that's a dealership that has that mindset of F and I is not a singular thing that happens in a box or an office. <laughs> it's something that happens throughout the entire dealership. Um, now that's actually a perfect segue kind of my, to my next question is let's talk a little bit about some, some additional best practices and tips and strategies on how a dealer can sell F and I products in the service department. Cause I think there's some really unique ones. I mean, like I said, that, that one service manager I had that had the, whiteboard it was just a whiteboard and a marker who had the identified dollar amount where people didn't pay that month um david i'll kind of start off with you um you know years of experience i'm sure you have some amazing best practice tips or strategies on how dealers can sell products um in the service department i'll start with you david yeah so so jason the first thing that the dealership has to decide is is their philosophy is it what product are they going to sell at the service department and number one uh we we have many many discussions with dealers that uh of course they want extended service contracts sold in the business office at time of sale uh they want them sold on used cars but they a lot of dealers do not support the sale of fni products in the service department because they feel that uh yes it's good for retention but they also feel that it's going to uh cost them car sales so I guess there's two different philosophies and we see them both uh, every day. And uh, first I'll, I'll touch on the dealer where they say that they want to, uh, uh, 
they want to sell cars out of the service department and, and it does benefit us to sell uh, F&I products this way. So I, I've seen dealers that where part of their process is uh, that they will appraise, uh, they'll set a parameter first Well, they'll say every car that comes in that's over 24 months, 30 months, because uh, they know prior to that, if it's a finance deal, there's very, very little chance that they're not going to be, you know, uh, they're going to owe more on the car than it's worth. But uh, there's some dealers that they'll appraise cars every single time they're in the service department. Uh, and then they will feed, uh, they'll, they'll give the customer payment options. I, I think the most important thing with that philosophy is, is you cannot communicate enough and you cannot give enough information to the customer. So when they get in, if they get used to every time they're in your dealership for a, uh, an oil change maintenance and they see uh, part of the repair order that, oh, here's a monthly payment option for you. They did appraise my car. Uh, and wow, you know what? I can get into this brand new vehicle for $6 more bi-weekly than I'm in right now. Uh, today's day and age, it's instant gratification for all of us, right? And so we have to respect the consumer's time in your dealership. So we have transparency with OMVIC and all that. There's so many rules that makes the auto industry so transparent and professional in Ontario particularly, but all over Canada. But we, we have the regulations in Ontario. You mentioned OMVIC all over Canada. Everybody knows it. And so we have such good regulations and it's, it makes for the industry so uh, you know transparent that the consumer with, with the platforms that are out there, they're going to know what their car is worth. It's not like the olden days where, you know what, it was like, okay, what's, you know, let's negotiate on your trade. Let's negotiate on this and that. So they're going to know. So let's be transparent with the customer and give them monthly payments on the new vehicle. And then what will end up happening is you'd be surprised. And I'm very much like this. I'm an online shopper. I'm an Amazon or when I want it, I go on and, and I buy it right away. So they're, they're going to look and say, wow, you know what? Yeah. Six bucks bi-weekly more than I'm paying now. Fantastic. I'm going to, I'll, I'll do it. I think even more so now you're going to find people we all drove our vehicles like it was a lifestyle vehicle in, in the past. And I want the biggest SUV. I want the biggest pickup truck. You alluded to it. Post-COVID, I think life is going to be very, very different, maybe for the next 24, 36 months. And I think a lot of consumers are going to be, uh, and I'll use the term downsizing, but they're going to be lifestyle downsizing. And so, but they might not know that options available to them. So they won't, so they're, they're going to say, yeah, you know what? I'm stuck with my $680 a month truck payment. Little do they know that you can get them into $500 a month into a car or, or a smaller SUV or something. So I think you, so if a dealership's philosophy is to sell vehicles out of service, they got to make sure they appraise the car every time they're in and they got to make sure they give payment options every time they're in the consumer will get used to seeing that. And then when the time does come that it's in their thought process that they want to look for a new vehicle and make it much easier. Like we have uh, BDCs that we try to get to, to sell the cars yet. We're not utilizing the service department side of that. Right. So I think that's uh, if a dealership's philosophy to sell cars, they, they have to just communicate a, a ton with the consumer for a dealership that wants to sell uh F&I products or customer retention products, I feel it's the exact same thing. And I, I, I said this earlier, you, you can't just try to sell an extended service contract or present it when, oh, by the way, it's today's the last chance you have to uh, to, uh, to buy or to take advantage of this. Because that n number one is it's, it's going to affect your relationship with the customer because they're going to lose trust in you, like saying, really? They're, they're, you know. But if, if all the way along, again, if they present it throughout every time you're in a dealership, uh, then you know what they're going to feel more comfortable with you presenting it, and then they might have gone home and talked about it and thought about it. So, it, it, 
when that's the case, you should look at payment plans. Like, so again, you're, you're not going to just present the extended service contract. Like say, you'll say, okay, for, you know, 60 bucks by, uh, or $60 a month, you'd be able to take advantage of this program and that, and then they'll, they'll know coming, you know, every time they come into the dealership that you'll be discussing it. So I, I think that's the important thing is communication, uh, Every time they're in, you should be communicating something, either the new vehicle sales option or used vehicle and, and the F&I product option, but not just the one, not just the one off because that'll, yeah, you would lose all credibility with your consumer after that because they, they would just say, yeah, really, they're trying to sell. And then finally, is if you do it, if you're a process oriented store and you do it every time, then the expectation of the service, they're going to know their expectations. So you're not going to get the Friday afternoon of a long weekend where they say, I just don't have the time. You know, the three of us have, uh, have, have been service advisors and we know like, even though it's eight, nine hour days, you're compressed into four hours of, I'll, I'll say organized chaos. Let's put it that way, where the customers are all coming in at seven in the morning between seven and nine. And then they're all coming in between three and five thirty to pick up their vehicle. So at that time, what at four thirty in the afternoon, you're going to have time to present the product, uh, you know, present the service contract every time I, if it's part of the process and it's just natural that, you know, you can do it, you can talk about it quickly, then absolutely you, you can fit that in. Not just a one-off because then it'll always get forgotten. Well, yeah. and I, I feel like what it is, is for from a customer service perspective, um, actually from a customer service perspective, we're one of the few industries out there that look as cut as at customer service as a profit center. Um, like really what we're talking about here is actually bringing the service back into the service department and actually serving the customer and their needs. And David, you, you, you hit it right on the head that, you know, moving forward, what is the customer's needs going to look like over the next 12 to 14 months? You know, their, their needs are going to look a lot different. If we can show them how they can save money, all right, not necessarily spend more because they want that bigger SUV, but show them, you know, hey, here's some opportunity to save some additional money or, you know, your car is getting to that age where we know these are the typical things that will start to uh, start to happen and these are the costs associated with them. You know, we can actually cover the protection of that moving forward. Like it, It's just serving the customer through retention products not fni products by the way i love that david by the way when you said that i was like i, I think i'm just going to stop calling it fni products i think i'm just going to call them retention products because really at the end of the day that's that's what it is um drew for yourself uh best practices tips strategies for how dealers can sell fni products in the service department well yeah you know a quick tip and it's it's more of a sales side jason and 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 how You've got customers coming into your service department, okay? They're supporting the dealership by bringing their car there for service. We need to pass that information over to the sales department so that when we have these sales going on, the sales department, they need to contact these customers that are supporting us in service, right? Uh, not every customer that's in our service department purchased the car there. Let's face it. They, they didn't. They, some, some people go out of town to purchase a car, whether they're away on vacation, they purchase a car, whatever it is, that they, they didn't necessarily purchase the car there. So when a customer is in our service department, we need to pass that information on, include them in our sales emails, letting those customers know, hey, we appreciate you're supporting us in our service department. Here's a, you know, we want to include you in our, in our sale on our, our next vehicles that are for sale. And, and maybe they can support us that way too. 
So it's important to, to grab that information and definitely pass it on. Again, like I said before, it's a full circle. All departments need to communicate with each other. And that really is the key is communication. Um, guys, I have a strategy that I just recently have been kind of become aware of. And I know of a handful of dealerships are executing this right now. And that's just simply because they've had to, right? You know, with dealerships being open, but, you know, anywhere between 30 to 70% of their staff being furloughed or laid off right now, you know, dealerships are having to do a lot more with a lot less. And I have a handful of dealerships that have combined the sales role position and the service advisor position into one, and they've seen tremendous success with this. And I'm just kind of curious on what your guys' thoughts of, do you think this could kind of become a new norm where, because we've all talked about how we're annoyed about this whole silo. Like we got one silo over here, one silo over here. This almost kind of bridges the gap with people. But I'd like to kind of get your thoughts on that new type of strategy of a, a hybrid service advisor and salesperson. David, I'll start with you. And then Drew, I'll ask you the same question. I think, Jason, that our, our current structure in Canada for retail auto sales doesn't really allow for it. And, and, and what I mean by that is... Um, until we get to the one price model that they have in Europe and other countries, I, I don't think that'll work because then really if you're a service advisor and you have 15 or 20 minutes to present a vehicle to a consumer and then talk numbers and all that, it makes it would make it a lot easier if it was just a matter of, okay, here's your payment and you know, here's your appraisal and, and trade in value. And then that's that. Whereas when you get into the nego negotiation process, that's, I think that would be a large distraction for the service advisor. So I, I don't think we're there just, just yet. Uh, I, I do think it would be fantastic to have fewer touch points in a dealership and, and have somebody who, you know, takes care of you, all, your entire buying needs. But I really, I, I think the pricing would be an impediment to that right now. Good. I, that's I, I, well, well said, David. Uh, Drew, your kind of thoughts on this hybrid approach. And David, to your point, I mean, in Europe, that is quite common, but you're right. The the, the one price model um, is kind of, I, I think, a backbone or a foundation for them to kind of get into that direction. Drew, what, what do you think of having this hybrid approach? I, I would have to agree with, with David, definitely. Um, service advisors, uh, it's all about the customer experience right? They're very customer experience oriented. Uh, they're focusing on the customer's needs when it comes to uh, preventative maintenance, uh, where sales is all about all the uh, options on the vehicle, uh, educating the customer on that. So there are so many videos and courses now that the different manufacturers are launching to the salespeople that I find it, it, it would be very difficult for this if you included that in educating all those service advisors in the, in those courses as well, they, there just wouldn't be enough time in the day. So I, I do agree with David. I think you keep, keep the service department separate when it comes to sales, when it does come to sales, for sure. You need a, you need a little more time too in the front sales as we've all done uh, with that customer where the service advisor, you know, the customer checks in, sure you review it and then they're gone and they come back, they pay and they're gone where some of the sales, uh, you know, you could be spending weeks with a customer. It's just with a lot of customers aren't spontaneous buyers. They, you know, they're, they want to be educated. 
So we need to spend time with them and make sure that they we're fulfilling their needs with the product that with the vehicle that they're looking for. So I would keep it separate, Jason. I, I'm with you. I mean, I think the verdict's still out, but I'm glad to kind of hear you guys' thoughts on that. But I think at, at the end of the day, ultimately what we're trying to do is just trying to enhance that showroom experience. You know, and I think the showroom experience moving forward is going to look different. In fact, actually, I think it has to look different. You know, I don't think we can just simply go back to that traditional showroom service sales experience that we had in the past. You know, fundamentally, things are going to have to change so that, you know, we're able to create sales opportunities. You know, what are your guys' kind of thoughts on how the showroom experience is going to have to change moving into the next 12 to 18 months? David, I'll start with you. And and then Joel, I'll ask you the same question. I'm probably in the minority here, Jason, but I I, I feel that we're going to get a very very quick rebound to to traditional ways in the auto industry. Um, and I, I I always when somebody asks me that what my thinking is on that, like, so let's say we go to our favorite steak restaurant. I'm not going to name what it is, but they're a franchise restaurant. And you go to that, and I travel all, I'm sure like you do, Jason, as well. I travel all across Eastern Canada, Northern Ontario. And so I go to this particularly a particular uh, state house. And my experience in Thunder Bay or Sudbury or Halifax or Montreal or Toronto, it's all different, even though it's the same, uh, it's the same steakhouse. And what's different is not the steak so just like if you say that comparable the steak is the car car is a car like if it's a certain oem brand it's the car what what's different is the the vibe you're getting in a dealership you're getting in the restaurant you like the way you're being treated you like the feel of it and so we all have our favorite restaurant or establishment we hang out in because we like it there so i think that if everything if if we're not having the customer contact we did in the past then we might as well just start selling cars online, be caravans of the world, because that's what customers want. Yeah, you know what? We might not, we might be social distancing and all that, but I still really feel and uh, dealing with the East Coast, uh, they they weren't hit as as bad with the pandemic as other parts of Canada. And if you talk to the dealers out there, it, it, it is very much going back to normal already. So they've been reopened for business for a, a couple of weeks now, and the customers because it wasn't so bad out there it's just very very normal so again i as i said i might be in a minority but i don't think it's gonna change a ton no i'm I'm with you david i mean i think there are definitely certain parts of the country that have been affected by more so than others and and really what i think it is 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 that we're gonna there is gonna be some we're gonna go back to some level of normalcy right but there's gonna still be a percentage way higher than it was before where customers are going to want to kind of engage differently right you know I, I had uh, I had to do my uh, winter tires on my Nissan Maxima the other day and um, I called to make the appointment and the customer and the sorry the service advisor actually asked me uh, do you want to drop the vehicle off or do you want us to come pick it up well how much does that cost? They're like, well, it's 30 bucks and we'll come pick up the car, do it and bring it back to you. I was like, hell yeah, absolutely. That sounds like a great idea, you know, but this was something that they never offered before, but they started offering and now I think they'll continue to offer it. And for somebody like me, yeah, 30 bucks for them to come pick up my car, go do it and then bring it back. And then I don't have to worry about going out or I can stay home and still be productive. I, I think that's what it is, is that people are seeing right now during this time frame is that they've gained a lot of time back. 
So what they're doing is they're getting used to being able to be more productive than they ever have in the past. And I think that's kind of the expectation moving forward is that a dealership at least offers that ability, you know, to have that 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 either that in-person type service or that hands-off service where now you pick it up, I'll deal with it later. Uh, Drew, I would love to kind of get your thoughts though on how we kind of strengthen uh, the showroom experience to improve kind of our retention efforts. Yeah, I just wanted to tag on on what you had just mentioned there, uh, how you called the dealership and then they told you of the service. I think it's so important for us to be proactive versus reactive. We all know the timing of when the customers need to take their winter tires off. We all, we all know the season of that. So let's pick up the phone. Let's make that information available uh, rather than Jason, you having to call in, you know, to, to find out about winter tires. Let's people are busy. Like we're all busy. We all have busy lives, children, jobs, whatever it is. Uh, you know, let's let's save that phone call for Jason to call in and let's let's reach out to our customers and, and just set those appointments because we all we've all done it. I mean, you're yes, we've got a pandemic going on, but I mean, we are almost the end of like, well, middle of May. Right. We're almost the end of May. Right. And we're all busy. And now next thing you know, you're looking at your vehicle going, I got to make an appointment to get these winter tires off or I'm going to be driving on these winter tires in July. Right. So I think it's very important, proactive versus reactive. And then um, displays, we're all visual learners, right? So, I, you know, I think if we don't have a screen, a large screen of some sort in the service department or, or in the waiting area, when people are sitting there, whether they're reading a magazine or they're on the phone, if we had a video of some sort, maybe reviewing some of the protections that are available as well, just as a little reminder. Because some people, they'll check in and then they go and they sit down and they're on their phone or they're on their tablet. But if there was something there that was educating the client at the same time while they're waiting, you know, why not? Uh, Jason, if I, sorry, Jason, if I can just add one thing on to your, uh, what you were saying about your experience Absolutely. with the service department and Drew's experience. I, I think the one thing that would make that most beneficial to a dealership and, and is... For them to ask you, okay, Jason, I'm going to pick up your your vehicle from you. You're going to pay the thirty bucks, and then ask you, what would you, what car would you like us to leave in your driveway? I like that. That's a good one, right? And so then it's more of a it's a more of a virtual test drive or a test drive where you know what. So typically, and the manufacturers that have loaner car programs, if you're like you know in in a certain brand, they they give you the same brand, like the same car, like same level, same similar trim. As you're in, but you might you might be the truck driver that uh, the pickup truck driver, and now you're saying, yeah, I want a small SUV. I think if if that was one thing that w with the whole process now, if they said, you know, we're going to bring a car to your driveway anyway, unless they would have two drivers. But you know, I would as a dealer, I would think more. So I'm going to bring a car, drop it off, pick up yours. What would you like us to drop off for you? You know, you and your spouse to to road test, and then that would uh, allow for the in, in the sales process. It would enhance it because you know what. You don't have to walk into the dealership then where, you you know, again, as I said, I might be the minority, but you might not be comfortable walking in the dealership, but you have the car there. You might say to your spouse, hey, let's put the kids in the car and go for a boot. It, the car's here. It's already in your it's already in your driveway. And then, you know, they come back and then they, they might do a follow up call and say, well, what do you like after they drop off the car? What do you think of that vehicle we left? Oh, I loved it. And then give me some monthly payments. on. It. <laughs> so that might actually be in an if the dealers are going to continue doing that, then I think that would be a way of them 
again, it's communication with the customer. They can tell them sales that are on those type of vehicles. Again, it's allowing the customer to have lifestyle changes, downsize without them even having to ask. It's, they're gonna if you ask them what they want, they're interested in you dropping off, then they'll probably tell you what what they're thinking of, what's their mindset right now. Uh, that, that's a, that's a great idea, David, and and I think that's kind of sums up kind of the the girth of our conversation is that what we're talking about here is you're gonna have to process your way to profitability. Yeah, I mean, David, that's that's a great idea, but an idea is only as good as how well we can execute it. I mean, you got to have a real solid process in place for that to do that. And I and I know, and you guys know, because you've been in the business long enough, the dealerships that have that solid process and execute it consistently are the ones that will continue to be profitable moving forward. Um, hey guys, I know it's getting towards the tail end of our time, but before we go, I have to get to ask one more question of you. It's my favorite question of the day to ask. And Drew, I'll start with you. If you were to change one thing in our industry, what would that be and why? If you don't have a live person answering the phone, you need to. <laughs> There's nothing worse than calling a store and press one for sales, two for service, three for this, four for that. You know where I'm going with this, Jason. We need to keep it personable. We, we, we really do. You know, it's... It's bad enough we're all on our phones, we're all texting, not enough people picking up the phone and calling one another, you know? So that's one thing um, that I would, yeah, I would suggest have a live person answer the phone. And when, you know, when you call and you, and you, and you ask them a question or you ask for a person and they say, no problem, let, let me get that person for you. And you say, thank you. It's so nice for them to come back and say, you're welcome before they transfer the call. Because we're all busy, right? They go from call to call to call to call. But just take that 30 seconds and just say, you're welcome. It goes a long way. It, it really does. And it creates that in that human connection that we're all starving for right now. Um, so, no, I think it's yeah. a great idea. Hey, David, for yourself, if you were to change one thing in your industry, what would that be and why? It would actually be the perception of the industry itself. Uh, you know what? It, it, 40, 50, 60 years ago, yes, the auto industry didn't have the best uh, image, uh, the best reputation. You know what? Now, again, with regulation and with social media and all that, it's uh, it's changed so much. Uh, I, I know a ton of dealers just like you do and Drew does as well. And you know what? They are some of the nicest, most charitable, generous people around. Like During this pandemic, dealers are helping out in the community they're giving money like it's it's you know what they're really really solid people and i just hope one of these days we would we would be able to shed that uh, uh you know that image and that reputation of you know i'll use the word snake oil salespeople and that but it's it's we're really it's a good industry i love it um wouldn't be in any other industry and uh it's just yeah I, i'd like to see that change hopefully it's uh, it will one of these days but uh yeah for me it would be definitely the perce the perception people have about uh, the car business hey no david i'm with you um there for sure when you know when i first got in the industry i actually remember telling my mom what i was going to do she's like you're going to do what so yeah mom i want to sell cars no no son of mine is going to be some car salesman you know but it has gotten better but i agree with you david uh it still has a lot of room to go hey guys thank you so much for taking the time to jam with me today for everybody out there that's watching and listening right now and would love to connect with you two gentlemen uh what is the best way to do so drew i'll start with you 
Well, it's drew.ferguson at sim-tech.ca. So that's my uh, that's my email. You can reach out or go on our website. Uh, they'll track me down and I'd be glad to uh, spend some time with any, any one of the dealers out there. Awesome. Thanks, Drew. Hey, David, for yourself, what's the best way to connect with you, sir? Yeah, it's uh, david.meldenberg at simtech.ca or visit, please visit our uh, the Simtech site and uh, my contact information is on there. Or more importantly, just look for the guy with the bow tie. <laughs> I love that. It makes it so easy, right? I'm the same. You just find the guy with the orange tie and I'm usually, it's usually the easiest way to find me. Hey, guys, again, thank you so much for taking the time to jam with me today. I had so much fun. You guys have yourself a wonderful day. Thanks, Jason. Thanks. Thanks.